This morning, I have the privilege of continuing a a series that we started a a couple of weeks ago that we are calling Say Something. Say Something. Um, Because uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, saying something to someone about Jesus is a key piece of our job description. Here at Mission Point, we say we exist to show and share the love of Jesus. And we didn't just come up with that because we thought it was cute, creative, and catchy. Uh, We came up with that because the Bible calls us to live a life of showing and sharing the love of Jesus. A few moments ago, Kirsten talked about some of the ways that we are longing to share, show the love of Jesus Christ to the people in our world, the people in our community, particularly those Connected to the most vulnerable of populations. Uh, But in this series, we want to lean into the aspect of our calling that invites us to share the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, we want to do that better and better. We want to be honest about how are we doing in this thing that we believe we've been called to. And so in this series, we are just asking questions. How are we doing? How do we do this even better because there is no version of following the person of Jesus Christ that does not include frequently talking to people about the person of Jesus Christ. Whatever talking to people looks like for you, it should involve talking frequently about the person of Jesus Christ. That's the calling. That's the job description. That is not something that we get to opt into. Um, in fact, it says it right here. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We'll put this up on the screen. You can follow along. Uh, but here's what Jesus says to his followers as he's about to launch them into the mission. Acts 1 verse 8. But you, he says, y'all will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has given you his power. Power. And all that means is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have everything it takes to carry out every single task that Jesus calls you to. Power means that if he calls you to it, you certainly can do it on account of his power. And in this particular context, the power that he gives is the power that transforms every single one of his followers into worldwide witnesses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I will give you power and it will immediately make you a movement of my worldwide witnesses. He doesn't say you might become a worldwide witness. He doesn't say you can opt into it. He doesn't say you could choose to do it if you're into that kind of thing. He says no, part of being my follower means you receive power and you become one of my worldwide Witnesses, And in case there's any mystery, let's make it very simple. A witness has one primary job. To testify. Right? A witness gives testimony of a first-hand experience. That's what Jesus is saying. Right? 
A witness gives testimony of a first-hand experience. I was there, I saw it, I heard it, I felt it, I even smelled it a little bit because I was there. First-hand experience. And how many of you know you cannot testify without saying something? There is no such thing as a meaningful silent witness. Not in the way Jesus is using the word. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I will give you everything it takes to carry out the task of testifying about me. Jesus says. I'm going to make you a movement of people who tell other people about me. Being a witness means you are talking constantly about me. And I'm going to say this before we turn to the passage we're going uh, to, to look at this morning. Uh, contrary to what the devil would have us all believe, what Jesus calls his church to, what Jesus transforms his church into is not complicated. We've complicated it, but it's very, very simple. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 does not say, I will transform you into Expert witnesses. No, just witnesses. People who share first-hand testimony about what Jesus has done in you or for you or to you. Just talk about your first-hand experience with the person of Jesus. He doesn't say, I will turn you into articulate witnesses who can wax eloquent about every single detail of all of the things. No, he says, I'll just make you witnesses. You're just going to talk about what Jesus Christ has done in you or for you to the people around you. It's really not that complicated. Just talk about what he's done. Testify. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what happened after. Because I ran for my life. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Just testify. Just tell the story. No, 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 no. Listen, I saw the fire. I didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning, right? Like, it's just tell a first-hand story. That's the job of a witness. We have complicated it. It's say something to someone about any experience you've had with Jesus. And I'm going to let this sit just for a moment so you can look. Just say something to someone about any experience you've had firsthand with the person of Jesus. And if you do this, you are living the calling of being a witness. Um, man, I'm telling you, I grew up in the church. I grew up around the church. I spent a lot of time uh, around the church. And uh, I think the church has actually hijacked the word witness. So when we say it, we actually use it as a verb. Like, I'm going to go witness. And when we talk about witnessing, we are usually talking about sharing the message of the gospel with someone. More than that, we are typically talking about sharing the comprehensive message of the gospel with Someone, But it's actually not what Jesus means in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And I think that twists us up. In fact, let me say something that may be a little controversial and you may need some time over lunch to process what I'm about to say. Um, 
When we think about witnessing, we think about, okay, I've got to figure out a way to talk about. And then Jesus on Friday, he died for our sins. And then on Saturday, he was buried. And then on Sunday, he rose victorious from the grave. And then I've got to be able to share. That's not what Jesus means. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's not what Jesus means. Because you can't actually testify to what Jesus did on Friday or on Sunday on account of the fact you weren't there. How are you going to be a witness to something you weren't there for? But yet that's immediately what we think about. Now you can share a first-hand experience of what happened to you when you believed what Jesus did on that Friday. You can share the story about what happened to you when you believed the power of the resurrection and what Jesus did on that Sunday morning. But for many of us, we're like, I want to talk about Jesus, but I don't think that I can explain the comprehensive message of the gospel. I'm not quite sure. Did Pilate come first or was it Judas? Ah, Was it the soldiers or was it the crucifixion? I can't remember all of the details. And then we just freeze and we don't say anything. But that's not what we're being invited to do here. Matter of fact, I strongly suspect that most married people in this room could not officiate a wedding right now. Doesn't make you any less married. Doesn't make you any less qualified to talk about your experiences as a married person to somebody who might be considering marriage. Right? But yet that's, I think, what we believe. It's like, no, I've got to officiate somebody's experience from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. So I've got to get all of the details right and all of the vows right. Otherwise, the government will turn away the marriage certificate. And Jesus is saying, no. What have I done in your life? Testify to that. Start there. And I trust that as we grow to know Jesus, we're going to learn all of the other aspects and details of what that looks like. But what Jesus is calling us to, please hear it. Say something to someone about anything that Jesus has done or is doing in your life. And Jesus will give us everything it takes to carry out that task, just like he did with his early followers. So here's the question. Are you doing the job? Are you talking to the people around you about Jesus and what he's doing and what he's done in you? Because there's no version of following Jesus that doesn't include that. Are you living like the witness that he's transformed you into by virtue of his Power Is your life marked by saying something about Jesus to the someones around you? Church, how are we doing? This is the thing. How are we doing? For all you are and all you've done, we lift you up. Great. Are you telling anybody about me? And what I've done for you. Okay, we haven't even turned to the passage of scripture we're going to look at because you keep dragging me off track. Um, But here we go. We want to look at a passage of scripture that I think shows 
Jesus himself and how he lived this out. We, we want to do this a little bit better, Jesus. How did you do it? And so in this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 9, uh, you can feel free to turn there. In this passage of scripture, Matthew is going to paint a picture of Jesus locked in and living on mission. And the details he gives us about the way Jesus did this, I think will help us as we long to do this a little bit better. And so we want to look at this story, make some observations, and, and plagiarize Jesus just a little bit. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start reading at verse number 35. Matthew 9 verse 35. Here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If we're going to live on mission like Jesus did, then we need to do what Jesus did. We need to commit to testifying everywhere. Being a witness means we talk about Jesus everywhere we go. Jesus did this in all the places and we want to do the same thing. We want to talk about Jesus in all the places that we happen to go. No place was safe from a, a, a story from Jesus about his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom from which he came, the kingdom which he wanted everybody in his world to experience. If you watch Jesus enough, you would hear people probably murmuring like, watch, wait, just listen, watch. He's, he's going to say something. Just watch, watch. He's going to say something about this better kingdom uh, that he wants everybody to experience. Just watch, watch. And lo and behold, Jesus would perpetually talk about this kingdom from which he had come 31 some odd years before this. Everywhere he went. Ah, this is so good uh, for us to, to hear because if you're anything like me, we are at best selective Jesus storytellers. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. Uh, there are spaces in my life that I consider safe. Are there spaces that I have designated safe enough to talk about Jesus? And then there are a bunch of other places I would never even think about it. Not here. If I'm going to say something about Jesus, I need to know. I need to make sure that this place is safe. And by safe, I mean I want assurances. Right? I want, listen, I want Permission to speak about Jesus and the promise that no one in this space is going to think differently about me because I said something about Jesus. If we can get that set, then I'll consider this a safe place and I might consider telling a story about something Jesus is doing in my life. Otherwise, mm -mm. 
undercover witness. Which is why for some of us, we are perpetually about to say something about Jesus, but never actually do. Because no one has given us permission to do it. And no one has promised us that they won't change their perception of us if we say something about how we roll with Jesus. So we just take a few years to build relationships and feel out the situation. And 11 years later, we're on the verge. I'm getting ready to. And so instead of living on mission, we're looking for permission. Is it okay to talk about Jesus here? Who determines that? You guys, I need you to tell me whether or not it's okay for me to share what Jesus is doing in my life. And Matthew says, that's not what Jesus did. He went into every town on mission to say something. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns. And all the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He was never looking for a place to give him permission. Please hear me. Church, you are called to say something about Jesus to someone everywhere you go. And the power of the Holy Spirit is all the permission you need. There cannot be a place in in, in my life in which I'm perpetually waiting to see if it's okay. Someone would give me the permission to talk about Jesus. Otherwise, if you're like me, we will constantly be waiting and rarely actually saying something. So I'm just asking you, are there places in your life in which talking about Jesus feels awkward, weird, off limits, out of place? So you refuse to be a witness there. I hope this morning we can be honest. If there's a place for honesty, I hope it's here. Are there places in your life which you would just not think about talking about the person of Jesus? And if you're hearing us talk about sharing the love of Jesus Christ and you approach it with, yeah, I'll share the love of Jesus Christ with my Bible study. And my little kids who can't comprehend words yet. Then I think, no, the calling, you're the witness. Which means, where are you being a witness? Everywhere you go. Are there places that are exempt and off limits? Which is so interesting. Because in all of those places, I talk about something. I say something about something. But for some reason, not the thing I claim is the most important thing. For all you are and all you've done, we lift you up. I'm daring us to think about places where we maybe don't talk about Jesus. People might even not know we rock with Jesus. And Spirit of God, would you give us the courage... To say something there. In fact, I suspect that in the places where you feel the greatest resistance. Maybe the places where the spirit wants to break out the most. 
Is there a place where you typically don't talk about Jesus? What might that look like this week? Yeah, not at school. Oh, definitely not at school. No one likes that kind of thing. Oh, at work? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not the track I'm on. That would just have people label me and tag me, and that will keep me with a glass ceiling over my head. Say something in all the places. Oh, and, and while we're talking about this, I thought it was very interesting that Matthew wanted us to know that Jesus not only said something um, in all the places, Jesus said something to all the people. I know that may seem so obvious and redundant because I place synonymous with people. Isn't that the same thing? Maybe, but this observation to me felt like it hit just a little bit different and it was helpful for me, when Jesus got to a town, he would go and he would talk about the kingdom. But do you notice where he would go? It said he went to the synagogue. The synagogue was like the religious epicenter of that particular town. And he would talk about his firsthand experience of the kingdom. This is what the kingdom is like. Oh, I've been there. It's awesome. Um, at the synagogue. Uh, the synagogue, that's sorry. That's where the churchy folk are. Interesting. But Matthew wants us to also know that Jesus talked to the crowds. The crowds are the non-churchy folk. I found this interesting. Because I'm just an interesting person. So what happens is Jesus would talk to the churchy folk and he would talk to the crowds. Um, what would he talk to them about? Well, to the churchy folk, he would talk about the kingdom. And then to the crowds, you find it interesting, he would talk about the kingdom, interestingly enough. I don't know about you, I found that so fascinating. To the churchy folk kingdom, and the kingdom is awesome, and he would tell them about the better kingdom, and he would tell them about a better king. And then to the non-churchy folk, he would tell them about a better kingdom, and he would tell them about a better king. And I realize I have spent so much of my time trying to differentiate between people. I spent so much of my time trying to decipher, are you a churchy person? Or are you a non-churchy person? See, I'm trying to decide whether or not I should talk to Jesus, talk to you about the person of Jesus. Because if you're a churchy person, it's like, no, you got it. If you're a non-churchy person, I'm like, but are you safe? Then if you seem like an open non-churchy person, I'm like, okay, now this is the category of person. I am going to share what Jesus is doing in my life with. And Matthew would say, that's not what Jesus did. Interesting. The calling to talk about Jesus doesn't care whether somebody's hearing it for the first time or somebody's hearing it for the 10,000th time. The message of the better kingdom and the better king, the experience I've had with Jesus is true. Whether you know him or whether you don't. And Jesus was indiscriminate. He would just share hope and the kingdom with everybody. We are taking way too much time to decide like, well, what religion do you belong to? Or are you an atheist? Or are you in this category, in this political camp? And Jesus just shared about the kingdom with everybody. Say something to someone regardless of who that person 
is. Your testimony of what Jesus Christ is doing or has done in your life. It translates across religious barriers. And it's good for all. For somebody who's never heard about him, it points them to the person of Jesus. For somebody who's heard about him over and over again, you don't know what they may be going through. It points them back to the person of Jesus. And our calling is to just talk about Jesus to all the people in our contexts. Stop trying to figure out who the person is and analyzing and over-evaluating their level of this or their knowledge of that. Or maybe they know more than I do. Or maybe they're this, that, and the other. And we just talk ourselves out of talking about Jesus. I would never say that there's a dude handing $5,000 checks to people. And I just got a $5,000 check. I would tell you more, but wait, do you have a checking account or do you not? How much money do you have in your account? Because maybe you don't need it. I don't know. Maybe $5,000 may be an insult to you because you're a millionaire. So I'm just not going to bring it up. No, I wouldn't do that. And yet we're doing that all the time. Just testify. Talk about Jesus because that's your calling. That's your mission. And also what better thing is there to talk about than what Jesus is doing in your life? Are there categories of people you don't talk about Jesus. Who have you decided is either too religious or too irreligious to hear what Jesus is doing for you? Oh, they're too, they're an atheist. So, mm. the person's too liberal, too conservative. Like, so, no. The calling to talk about Jesus is not concerned with categories. Here's another observation that we won't spend too much talking about, time talking about, because we're going to dive into this after Easter, but it's, it's worth Noting, and I'm talking about all the power. All the power. It, it is true about Jesus' ministry at large if you study the Gospels, and it's true about Jesus' ministry in this particular passage of Scripture. Wherever Jesus said something about the kingdom, the kingdom showed something about what Jesus said. Here's what I'm saying for the, for the kids among us. Um, Whenever Jesus spoke, heaven brought the smoke, as the kids would say. Look at this. This is verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns teaching, talking uh, about his firsthand experience with the kingdom, right? This is what, let me tell you, in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I'm talking about all the power. Woo! Healing and deliverance would show up to affirm and authenticate what Jesus was saying about the better kingdom. This is something we just don't talk about because it's a little bit uncomfortable and it's an area we cannot control and it's an area we cannot fake. And if we start delving into these realms, then we may look like frauds if it doesn't work out the way we're talking about it. And yet here it is as it often tends to be in the Bible Again, where the message of the king and the kingdom went, so did the miracles of that same place. There is a better kingdom with a better king. Just just trust me. Trust me. Yeah, trust me, but also check out the samples. Healing and deliverance and 
freedom. Samples imported from a better kingdom to authenticate what's being said about this place. Was it all the time? No. But many times, yes. It's clusters of grapes. Right? Uh, when God's people were on the verge uh, of stepping into the promised land, this kingdom that God had promised would be theirs, um, he sent a few spies to go into this new territory that they would be stepping into. And, and uh, when they returned, they came back with samples. They came back with a cluster of grapes. And this cluster of grapes was so big, it took two grown men to carry it on a pole. And why did God have that happen? He wanted to authenticate what he had said about this better place. And he wanted to convince the people that this place really is better. And this place really is real. Here's a sample. And that's what tended to happen. As Jesus shared about the kingdom, the kingdom would send samples. Deliverance, healing. To just affirm what was being said about this incredible place. I'm telling you, when I commit to talking about Jesus in all the places and talking about Jesus to all the people, I may want to consider talking to Jesus about all the power. This was so interesting to read again. Because how often do you ask Jesus for kingdom samples when you're saying things about him? To authenticate what you're saying about him. Jesus, I'm about to tell a story about you. Do you mind maybe sending some smoke? As a sample. I don't even think about this. Why? Because I am so busy. Trying to figure out if this is a safe enough place to say anything at all. I'm trying to decipher what kind of person are you and should I say something, should I not say something? Should I say something, should I not say something? I've not even stepped into the level where I'm thinking about smoke. But for some of you who've maybe dared to step into all the places talking about Jesus, I just want to dare you. Have you considered asking him, would you send some smoke? And at that point, it doesn't even matter whether your uncle's an atheist. Look at the grapes, buddy. At that point, it doesn't matter what category that person falls into. Because the samples are intended to affirm and authenticate what's being said about a better kingdom and a better king. And I'm just, can I just be honest? We're not there yet. We're too busy wrestling whether Jesus is worth talking about. So we hear stories about power and most of us are like, all right, move on to something that we can control and handle a little bit more. But Spirit of God, would you bring us as a church to a place where we're like, and I saw a sample yesterday. And can I tell you about it? Jesus, I'm begging you to do something at the next family reunion because you know how these people get. That's advanced stuff. We'll come back to that after Easter. And let's talk about all the compassion because we have to stay with the peace. You see what I'm saying? Um... 
Verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is striking, man. Mm. One of the reasons, I'm going to get off the stool on this side for once. One of the reasons that I don't talk about Jesus to the people in my world. Let's just be honest. Is because I just don't care that much about them. I'm sorry. Can we as a church just buy honest shirts and wear them around? I just don't care that much about you. I just don't care that much about what you might be going through or where your life may ultimately end up. I just don't care that much about you. And so when we're in a space together, I'm so much more concerned about what you think about me than I am about what Jesus might do for you. I just don't care that much about you. When we're at work together, I'm more concerned about my upward movement. I'm more concerned about the promotion than I'm, than I'm concerned about how you might experience Jesus in eternity. I just don't care that much about you. I care a little bit more about me. I'm sorry. Otherwise, I would say something. When we're sharing space together, I'm thinking so much more about your FQ. Your fineness quotient, right? To decide like if this thing could go somewhere and what this might do for me to be thinking about what Jesus has done for you that you haven't yet heard about yet. I just don't care that much about you. If we were honest, I care so much more about my likes and snacks and and in my vacations. And I care so much more about my future and my career and my retirement than I do about the people around me who may be hurting and longing to hear about a better kingdom and a better king. I just don't care that much about you. And if the church was honest, we just don't care that much. And Matthew would say that's not what Jesus did. That is not how Jesus lived. When Jesus saw the people... And the way sin and Satan were ravaging their lives, he felt sick to his stomach. The word compassion is such a strong word. I picture Jesus physically convulsing. If you saw him, you'd be like, what's happening to him? Compassion. The thought that human beings created in the image of God. Should be robbed of peace in this world and paradise in the next was devastating to Jesus. He cared too much about them. And so he said something. Thought that that the people should live striving and straining in this life only to end up suffering and separated from God forever and ever and ever. Jesus could not look at that and just be like, Not going to mess with my vacation though. I just don't want people to think a little less of me though. It broke the heart 
of Jesus. So he said something. And I read this and I knew my heart needs an awakening. And the church needs an awakening of compassion. That is not natural to us. We need Jesus to pour out his love for people into our hearts afresh. That we would start to look at people the way he looks at people and value them and think about them a little bit more than we tend to think about ourselves. There needs to be a revival of care for people again in the church. You cannot care about your little kid who's on the verge of being, and not say anything. If they're on the verge of being hurt and just, you know how she hates being told what to do. You wouldn't do that. But the truth is, we need an awakening of care. But it starts with us as a church being honest and saying, you're right. I just don't care that much about the people at work. I just don't care that much about the people in my extended family. So Jesus, would you do something? Otherwise, we're going to have these series and we'll talk about this over and over and over again. And for many of us, can we talk about something that affects me? This wasn't my favorite message. It didn't really hit home for me. Maybe we need to care a little bit more about them. Maybe that's the invitation of the Holy Spirit to his church. The reason you don't say something, you don't care. And ask me to do something about that, which is kind of what Jesus says. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Can we talk about all the partners, all the partners? This is fascinating to me. That with a broken heart for the helpless and harassed, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, um, I, I, I can't do all of this by myself. I need some, some partners. So can you guys please pray that God would raise up a movement of people who care For the hurting and the broken. Would you pray that God would raise up a movement of people. The little courage to step into spaces. That may not be evaluated as safe. And say something. Because I I need some partners. And I found that fascinating. I'm like I'm sorry Jesus. Like 25 seconds ago you were bringing the smoke. You were healing every disease. And every sickness. And now you're saying I need a little help please. Like, why don't you just do a miracle that opens everybody's eyes and everybody magically hears about a better kingdom and a better king? Jesus is like, that's not the plan. The plan is better than that. Is that God wants to invite a movement of people to partner with me in saying something. And as they say something, watch the miracle. Then, I found this so interesting that Jesus could just fix the whole thing. But instead he says, pray for people to come alongside and partner with me. When we talk about saying something, it's not just a project. It's not just a task. It is partnering with Jesus in pointing people back to him and to his better kingdom. This was amazing to me. And oh, by the way, that we would be like, yeah, we would, but people may have a different perception of us. 
And I thought it really fascinating that Jesus says, pray that God would raise up workers because, he said, the, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And if I have a prayer, may that not be said about Mission Point. May that not be said about Kosciuszko County. May it never be said. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. There are not enough people who care enough and have enough courage to say something. May we be the answer to the prayer Jesus is praying. May God raise up a movement of something sayers in our church. But I found this really fascinating. If Jesus is right and he tends to be. There's a mathematical consideration to be made here. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Another passage says that the harvest is ripe. It's the workers that are few. What? You know what that means? The people in our community are more ready and willing to respond to stories about Jesus than the people in the church are willing to tell stories about Jesus. Jesus says the people are ready. It's my people who aren't. The harvest is ripe. Would you ask God to send more people? Because they're waiting. They're ready. We're the ones resistant. Which tells me that the majority of times I share something about Jesus, it will end up somewhere good. Maybe not right away. Did you know the odds are actually greater? That people respond regardless of whether they were atheists before they heard me share a story about what Jesus did in my life. Man, I was at a tennis tournament like a few weeks ago and uh, you know, the, 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 the vehicle came to pick us up and, and take us to the venue and I was in a car with a professional tennis player and coach and, and uh, asked the question to me like, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. Awkward silence. A few minutes later, the question was asked, like, okay, what made you want to be a pastor? I'm like, all right, well, um, I chased every pleasure as a teenager. And I tried everything thinking that it would bring me fulfillment, and it just never did. And eventually, I lost a lot of the things that I depended on for happiness. And I remembered what I'd heard about Jesus. And so I turned to him, and I gave him my life. And things have been different since. And one thing led to another, and now I want everybody to know about it. So I'm a pastor. Awkward silence. As we pulled into the tennis venue, um, I hear the words, Kondo, would you consider saying a prayer over this vehicle? And I'm like, I guess. And we prayed as we pulled into the tennis facility. Pro player, coach, driver, all of us. And I remember thinking like, my analysis of this vehicle would not have said, ready to hear anything about Jesus. Their initial response would not have signaled anything about ready to receive anything about Jesus. I don't know what happened or what smoke filled that particular vehicle. 
But I believe it. People in your family are more ready. People at your work are more ready than we are willing to say something about Jesus. Just tell people what Jesus is doing in your life and let him bring the smoke. Let him perform the miracle. Let him do whatever he needs to do as Kyle shared last week. All right, we're going to sing a song. And as we do, I just can't say enough. As we say we are going to lay our lives down, may that be our signal to Jesus. I'm in. I want to be an answer to the prayer to be someone with courage and compassion who says something to the people in my world. Are you willing to be that person? And will that start today?